Usually we talk about scaling up, but today we're headed in the opposite direction and speaking with someone who started his e-commerce journey by getting a PhD in microbial ecosystems ecology. Say what? Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Serious Sellers podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And we've got a real serious person here with us, somebody who actually has a PhD. I don't know how more serious than that you can get. Yev, how's it going, man? It's going really well. I'm glad to be here. So that's the first thing that I want to talk about, because I saw that somewhere on the Facebook group that you actually have a PhD and you're the first PhD that I've talked to here on the the podcast. So please let's what I always like to do is talk about like your origin story. So let's let's go back to before the PhD. Like, where did you go to high school? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, I uh, originally from Ukraine, but I moved to us when I was eight years old and growing up mostly in Phoenix. So that's where, where I did my high school and then did my bachelor's and then stuck around in my master's there. And then, oh, I guess I wanted more research, stuck around for the PhD there. So all of my schooling was in, in Phoenix, Tempe area. So, so all of that was there. Was it Arizona State? Um, yep, Arizona State University. Sun Devil. Yeah, so I was, I was there in academia studying science. Uh, it was in natural sciences, environmental and social sciences. It was quite interdisciplinary. And it was, it was one of those things that while I was doing it, uh, I, I thought I liked it. I kind of like felt it, like I was passionate about it. But in hindsight, I see the connections between what I'm doing now and then what I was studying then where I was trying to integrate all of these different disciplines and asking unique questions that even my academic peers were like, 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 what are you doing here? Like, what kind of questions are these? Like, this doesn't make sense in our kind of scientific discipline. So, so that was uh, a, a long journey that I basically quit or shifted, shifted my career, whatever you want to think of it as. And, and so what was your PhD in? Yeah. So it's studying microbial ecology and effects on ecosystems. So it's basically if you're like fertilizing the soil or there's car traffic that's actually depositing on the ground, what is that doing to the ecology and then how it's feeding back to us. But I, so that's kind of like from this natural science perspective. And I was always trying to bridge in other disciplines. I was bringing in anthropologists and sociologists and artists trying to add, trying to get help to understand how biology is working. And my my chemist peers, my biologist peers were like, why do we need an artist here studying biology? So, so it was very cross-disciplinary. So I imagine when you were, you know, choosing your major and, and, you know, you had certain goals or things in mind that you wanted to do. And, and I really highly doubt that you chose that because you wanted to get in the Amazon space. So what, what were your original goals? Like, what, why did you choose that trajectory? What, what, what did you, in those days, envision yourself doing at this time, you know, I don't know how many years later it is. Yeah. Yeah. Great questions. It was one of those things where it was a combination of following passion, but also not being aware enough. And what I mean by that is I was interested in nature. I'm like, Oh, I like, I like nature. I like the environment. So I'm like, uh, now I have to choose where, and um, after high school, like I have to go somewhere. It's either computer science 
English or biology. So I'm like, well, I like nature. I'm going to go into biology. But after a while, uh, so as I finished the bachelor's degree, the master's degree, I was basically in this momentum. I didn't take time to like pause and realize what I want. I'm like, oh, like now I have to like sign up for that class and I have to do registration. So the, the momentum continued way too long. And it was basically because I felt like I wanted to have some sort of impact, but I thought it was from an academic standpoint because there's this kind of like brainwashing happening too in academia. You're kind of like going this route for a really long time and it was great training, but it was a little bit behind how the education is where you basically need to stay at a university, be a professor and outside of academia, there's, there's not much training in that over in the last few years there are, but you kind of have to like go in that route. So it, it was more of a midlife or early life crisis where I thought, all right, like why, like why, why I'm still here? I, I can't get a professorship position. I need way more experience because it, it wasn't as easy getting professor position. And then started having uh, career shifts after that. Were you ever employed for money in, in that field after you had graduated with your degree? Yeah, I moved to Orange County. I was working at UCI, so the university. Soon after this, I realized that I was actually an entrepreneur. So it, it wasn't like my whole life I knew that I wanted to be in business, marketing, entrepreneurship. It was that the research didn't feel like it was applied enough. I was trying to ask certain interesting questions, like these cross-disciplinary questions, but it was very theoretical and it would go into a textbook and not much would happen to it. What are we talking about? When, you, when you're here in Orange County working in... In that field and trying to get professorships, like what year are we talking about? Yeah, 2014, 2015. So, so I've only okay. been in marketing for four years now. So then you you mentioned like you started thinking about different or you started doing some like marketing side things. Like what were some of these things? Like you started doing, you know, like consulting for companies or, or while it, it, you were like moonlighting <laughs> doing that or what happened there? No, nothing like that. It was basically me like trying to get distracted from doing my actual scientific research so i was playing around with my cats in our in our apartment in huntington beach I had two cats i was recording like videos of my cats and then trying to make funny videos of cats and making a facebook page about cats and like editing and like doing all of this like basic marketing stuff like it wasn't going anywhere it wasn't growing but it was my experience where i'm like man i see like people following this like funny stuff i'm making about cats but it was kind of like this distraction and and like i only did that for a few months before i'm like all right I, like I, I know I don't want to be making funny cats for the rest of my life. It was just like a, a funny thing I started doing, but I'm like, but I know I don't want to be in academia. And it was around the time when my contract was finishing up, but it was actually half a year before it was over. My wife and I were like, all right, you know, like we, we want to go check out Seattle that that's where we are right now. And it was this decision where we kind of like quit, like sold everything we had and then just like moved up. So it was like a two week decision type of thing. And then we were in Seattle. I kind of like, I quit the postdoc and the funny thing, and I don't know, well, funny is not the right word, but as soon as we moved here to Seattle area, the same week I found out about Ryan Daniel Moran and the Amazon world started watching all of these videos. And like right away, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. Like I didn't even know this was possible, not really having experience in it, but going down that path where I register a business license and try to like find out about Amazon products. And this was around four years ago where got in, got into the world and uh, like basically start, started failing through my brand around four years ago after this big shift and like immediately when moving to Seattle. 
So, so when you moved to Seattle, did you have a plan or, or were you just going to kind of like find yourself <laughs> or like, well, you didn't decide to do Amazon until you actually got there. So like what, what made you move to Seattle? Like what, what was the original plan? Yeah, uh, it wasn't planned. Like, this is not how adults should do it. It was like, <laughs> a decision, and we moved and I'm like, all right, we'll find jobs once we're up here. And like, we didn't like have like savings or anything because in academia, you like don't get paid a lot until you get a like actual like professorship. But uh, like my wife, she's in like finance accounting. So we knew she'd be able to find a job pretty fast. So she's like a nine to five job. It's like very, very stable. And she found a job with like within a week when we moved to Seattle. But for me, I'm like, all right, we have a couple of months break, like for me to like find a job. And I knew there was a lot of uh, like environmental companies in Seattle. So I, I kind of like started searching while doing the Amazon at the same time. So it was not very planned and not very smart. I mean, it was like the best decision for us because you have to break out of your zone or break out of your comfort, whatever you're doing. But it was one of those things where it kind of like forced me to get into Amazon and start learning it. And that actually only lasted six months because, uh, well, like six to nine months, because as soon as we moved to Seattle, so like me and my wife were trying to get pregnant for, for a while and it wasn't happening, like up until we moved into Seattle. So six months into my Amazon failing and learning, my wife is like, all right, you're not making money, time to get a job. So I actually started looking for companies again. And that's when I really got into marketing because I, I positioned myself as a data-driven marketer. And I think people noticed the PhD and noticed that I have some marketing experience, which is like, it was not much, but that's what I was going for. And I got hired by a marketing agency and that's where the Facebook ads route started. Uh, I'm just here thinking about your resume to get that job. And, and the only marketing experience is I used to make cat videos. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm assuming uh, that must've worked because uh, you got hired. So, so really throughout your Amazon journey, your experience more lies on the marketing side, as opposed to you basically never really hit it big as far as selling on Amazon. Is that correct? All of my Amazon, not on myself, right? Like with a brand, like we were like a yeah. hyper growth brand. So I was leading all of their marketing. So with the brand, okay. yes, but not, not individually as, as my own brand when I did it a few years ago. Okay. Now what, you know, working for the brand, what were your kind of marketing mediums, I guess, as it were. I mean, I'm assuming we're not just at this point, we're not just talking about, oh yeah, I controlled their PPC, but actual off Amazon campaigns to drive sales. Is that correct? Yeah. And uh, so this was exciting. So we had success in different crowdfunding campaigns. That's where the brand started. And, and you can look it up. It's brand HeroClip. And so it was over $100,000 rate on crowdfunding. And then it got momentum there, started getting to retail. So there was retail success. And then I was basically brought in to lead all of the digital marketing. So that was Facebook ads, Amazon, and anything to complement the um, retail as well. So we were basically spending money in Facebook ads. That was our biggest everything website related and uh, PR media related. So it was trying to expand, but the important thing was trying to integrate all of them because it wasn't one separate piece. And, and most of the team was related to retail because we were in Ace Hardware, REI, so we're actually like in, in big stores. And then over time, we were getting all of this momentum, getting a Good Morning America and, and all of this momentum. And basically through Facebook ads, it brought in this other world where we're able to at some point start spending thousand dollars per day on Facebook ads and it was profitable and we were getting all of these emails and all of these people going to Amazon shopping and our website but I was trying to figure out how to complement 
all, all of that, how to integrate it and how to amplify one with the other. So this is where omni-channel started coming in and trying to figure out how can we make our Facebook ads profitable on our website, kind of have our, our e-commerce down on our website, but then knowing the Amazon world, how can we amplify that at, at need whenever we need to send extra traffic or do some more launching or ranking? So trying to blend all of those strategies together. Okay. So, you know, I, I know a lot of people, every, every time I talk to people here on the podcast about their origin story, and, and the reason is because always it's something different. Like everybody, nobody was born into an Amazon family or, you know, an Amazon selling. I mean, hey, we're, we're probably... Some of our kids, you know, might 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 be able to say that in the in the yeah. future, like, hey, I I come from the uh, powerful, you know, whatever family who is a history of third generation Amazon sellers. But everybody comes from just like a different educational background, a different work background, and most of the time, it can be said that what they used to do has like absolutely nothing to do with Amazon. Like they they can't use, you know, it was all a waste, big waste of their education, and and it's different. And I would assume that a lot of people might be thinking that about you, like, wow, you totally wasted your time. Like, there's no way that you're using any of your PhD in biology and all your training here in Amazon. You might as well just have not done that. However, I have a, a suspicion that because of your scientific background and your training, you actually are able to use this maybe on the analytical side or something in your marketing strategy. Is that a correct statement? Absolutely. And some, some of the different presentations I've done and pe people tell me where like part of it is refreshing that they see this very scientific approach because there's a lot of things about interpreting data and setting up campaigns. And, you know, there's kind of like the, the task you're doing, but then what are you doing with that data and what is the order of operation? What do you do when? Okay. So like one thing I know you know, I am not a scientist at all. I, that was actually my worst classes in high school and, and college was chemistry and stuff. I hated that stuff. But one thing we would do all the time is is just testing. And I think that in the marketing world or in the advertising world, in the e-commerce world, not enough testing is done. Like the only testing maybe, and it's maybe only because they hear it on a podcast or something is, you know, like, hey, hey let's do some AB split tests on, on your title. But but I, I imagine you are just completely next level. So what are some things that because of, of your analytical mind that you have tested? What are some insights? Maybe, you know, I'm not saying give us all your trade secrets, but what are some insights that you could give us on things that you have discovered with extreme testing that you've done? Yeah, I've, I've done a lot of extreme testing and this is what has been exciting to try to experiment, but also try to simplify. And one thing that I've noticed is that you, you have to go in one of two kind of very broad routes where it's either super, super simple or as advanced and as much testing as possible. So I'll say that's a quick thing that I see. Well, you can implement this into your long-term strategy, but it would be one of the quickest thing that I see Amazon brands approving their Facebook ads is add variety into your ad testing. And don't think of it as, oh my gosh, I'm going to spend so much money because I have all this variety. Actually, no, you're going to cut the losers so fast. You're not even going to worry about the little ad spend you had. It's, it's more about showing that variety. So you're, this is how you're beating the Facebook algorithm. You know, you know, the Amazon algorithm really well, but add variety into Facebook. So then Facebook charges you much less money to show it to more people just by having that variety in the ads. And then you kind of go into the next stages worrying about, Amazon purchases or other type of engagement. 
Interesting. I think the one takeaway I get from that is a lot of people, if they even do any kind of testing, it's like they think just kind of binary, like A, B tests, but you're talking A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P test, because if you don't have any tests, you're just like banking that, that you know what the common customer or your avatar is going to want, which is prideful and most likely Incorrect. But even if you just do an AB test, you're still saying that, okay, these top two ideas I had, at least one of them is it, but I could definitely see how it, it increases the odds that you are going to find that one that really works. If you increase the number of, of things that you're testing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing I want to highlight about that is a different example of this, but this is, I'm, I'm seeing this overwhelmingly work well in more advanced brands and top brands and beginner brands or kind of like more starter brands. They, they aren't doing this, but the ones that are, this is working really well. And it's this part of taking this testing and think of it, thinking of it as a customer journey. What I mean by that, and this is common in e-commerce overall, when you're sending Facebook ads to your website and like not even worrying about Amazon, but Amazon sellers are just like, totally skip this, like most skip this is separating out your campaigns based on the customer journey. And just think of it as the cold, warm or hot, you know, like just those common, common funnel ideas. That's one of the things that Amazon brands are not doing because just this evidence is overwhelming. I see this so much in so many different accounts is that the Amazon purchases that are coming in are not from some of those top ads. Again, you have to have really mm-hmm. great branding and great video or content and offer for some sales to come in from those cold ads. That, that's what we, yeah. we did at HeroClip, but that's because we had a viral product and I, because I did tons of testing to get, you know, the first purchases from the first ad. But in most cases, your conversion rates are just like really bad. They're under 0.1% from cold traffic to Amazon, or even if it's like to your, to your website and directly to Amazon, the retargeting or based on, the, any type of engagement, whether it's some sort of engagement on your website and th- them showing intent going to Amazon and then kind of more advanced strategies with, you know, whether you're combining other tools and trying to pixel events or trying to track purchases in different ways, then you can kind of do more warmer and hotter re- retargeting. But the warmer and the hotter retargeting is where those ads are going to be way profitable because it's the customer journey, right? Like who's going to buy from the, from the first ad? Some people will, but this applies to the Amazon world as well. And Amazon brands aren't doing, they might see some increase in Amazon sales, but that's just because Amazon is rewarding you for sending traffic. You're probably getting add to carts, other engagements happening on Amazon, but not necessarily purchases. And then that, that's going to have a ceiling, just that external traffic that's not leading to real sales. Amazon is going to reward you organically, but you need to start adding uh, the, the customer journey funnel ads in there as well. So it's not just about that first ad, it's the later ads as well, that those are the ones that are profitable. And then you can start amplifying your, your Amazon even further that way. Yeah, that's all great information. Um, I think it's important that a, a lot of people, you know, may overlook. And, you know, I, I've also had some experts on Facebook here, you know, like Wilfried in the past. But here's the thing that maybe I have failed to do when I'm asking these interviews is just like take it back a few steps. So let me do that with you. So this is all great and everything, but you know, our typical listener maybe is sitting there, maybe they're, they're thinking of starting on Amazon. They haven't started yet, or maybe they're a newer seller or, you know, they're may, they have one product they're selling, you know, $5,000 a month, whatever the case is, but, but they're newer on the newer side yeah. and they've never run Facebook ads for their business. So 
let's just go really, really basic. At what point should someone think about running Facebook ads or off Amazon ads to their Amazon business? Like, is that something that from day one should happen or there's a certain point where they should reach a certain level or there's a certain goal? I mean, can you talk to us a little bit about why someone would want to start doing this? Yeah, well, let me have two different answers for the the starter or beginner. One is the more things that you're doing, you're probably getting distracted. And when you're starting, you probably don't have a big team or any team at all or Mm -hmm. as much fun. So as soon as you start doing Facebook ads, it's taking away from some basic foundational important things you, you need to be doing on Amazon. So one thing to keep in mind and this is the first part of the answer is whatever you're doing, it, it probably has a high chance of failure. So it's more about the experience, knowing how to set up the ads, how to set up everything Amazon related, your product research, your listing, your optimization, start getting some launching and ranking and having Facebook to amplify that. But in that process, you're probably going to be like distracted and doing all of this in so many different ways. It's either not going to be effective or it's going to take a real long time to do it. The best bet is to make it content-related, educational-related, so it's educational. It, it makes your the end consumer, the customer, uh, a better person. It understands them. It ma- makes them connect with your brand. We don't have too much time left here, but I'm just curious you know, about that, like what, what you would suggest people do, because I, I think the majority of our listeners, if they've even thought about Facebook ads, they're thinking of it in the context of you know, like a launch, like, hey, let me send people into a funnel or let me send people to many chats so I can give them a discount or I can do a rebate or something like that. But you're obviously talking about something different. So what would be a non-launch kind of Facebook campaign that you would suggest you know, Amazon sellers start with? Yeah. And this applies to launches too. Um, I feel like a lot of the things we see in Amazon communities about launches and ranking, like it, it, it works. There's a lot of variety you can do, but that's like, that's like one of seven different types of angles or strategies that I see across many types of Amazon brands. Cause I, cause I'm experiencing a lot of brands where like, they're just focused on their website and they happen to have an Amazon store. So those strategies vary quite a bit that we actually don't see a lot of discussions in in Amazon groups, those are more in like e-commerce and Facebook related groups. And I see a lot of this through, through Zontracker and the, uh, basically this diversification of traffic. But a very specific example for beginners is first uh, having a video. If you don't have a video, take any images and make them into a video, like a, a slideshow. It's basically just static images that are playing over time of something about your product or the lifestyle. Something's very simple. And you want to use very creative angles, like weird depth perception. This is about catching attention and Facebook charging you less money to, this is how you're navigating the algorithm. So don't just like put a picture of your product, like put a picture of your product with a very weird angle because people are still going to kind of know what it is, but it's going to catch their attention. So the next ads, the retargeting, so someone watches the video or they, they click the ad from that first video and they're just going to like your, uh, a website or a landing page, something very simple. Like don't even think about like a full Shopify store. It's just like more about a landing page, something that's present for people to go to so you could keep track of them through your Facebook pixel and there's that level of engagement. And then the retargeting is where what people usually do at the first step. They kind of skip that content stage or that kind of building up awareness stage because then in the second ad, the offer or the launch is where chances are going to be much higher that people are going to engage with that, that ad and be familiar with their brand just because they already saw something 
or because they're already coming from that warmer audience and algorithmically more important, Facebook is going to be charging you less money for that second ad because of those first ads. Then if you totally skip that, what most Amazon sellers do, they just go straight for the product ad, meaning it's like, here's the product or here's the offer and go buy. So insert some sort of ad that's content related or it's building up the brand or it's about the product or it's educating or uh, even like a, a tutorial or or uh, like a review of your product, somebody reviewing your product or unboxing, just anything that's related to your product before the actual offer. That's kind of more like a teaser because that that curiosity is what's driving down the cost and that uh, like the teaser or it's like coming up where people are going to be foreshadowing that there's going to be some other content coming up. That's where you can put the offer. It's going to make that second ad more effective. That's great advice there. So I'm assuming that, you know, as you were, you know, working in, in Facebook ads, you, you, you saw the big kind of hole or black hole as it were of it's hard to measure how effective what you're doing, you know, like, Hey, if I'm running a specific promotion, you know, I can track the discount code. I know how many people are doing it, but as you're talking about, Facebook is so much more, Facebook ads are so much more than just trying to send people to an offer. So is that what kind of prompted how you started Zon trackers? Like, man, there, there's a need for me to be able to understand how my Facebook ads are performing that aren't just straight sending people coupon codes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right on the spot because with, as you can already see with some of the strategies I've been testing where I have hundreds of ads at a time for certain campaigns. So it's not just like one campaign and one coupon code or what to one landing page and using one affiliate link, you know, all of these strategies to try to track or having some sort of tag in the URL and sending them to an Amazon brand store. Like when they were doing that, you could track. So it's hundreds of campaign um, ads and ad sets and, you have to know exactly which one is leading to the sale to the sale or not. So that was exactly the problem. So, so real briefly, just, just a little bit about it, because honestly, I've never used your, your software and I know a lot of people haven't. So just in a nutshell, kind of what is the purpose of it? What does it do? Yeah. Um, so, so from, from the, uh, from the beginning, the unique feature was that you can track Amazon sales coming from Facebook ads. There's been a, been a lot of changes, how kind of data has been changing and different data protection policies from Amazon but basically it's it's pulling in Amazon data into Facebook and then it's it's matching. There's a feature that a lot of other software has where you could retarget audiences, build lookalike, but I never focus on that, on that feature just because other software has it and that has more privacy concerns. But the main feature is that tracking the sale and directly in your Facebook ads, you see a column and it says Amazon purchase and you see that at the ad level. So it's not at the individual person level, it's more of the aggregated where it's, Here's all of the ads you run and which ones led to a purchase. And then the kind of like more like newer feature, which was super unique, is that in Facebook, you can then tell the Facebook algorithm to optimize for those purchases. So it's a conversion event. It's kind of like the Facebook pixel events. You're telling Facebook, optimize for this data that you're pulling in, which are Amazon purchases. So then I get even more Amazon purchases. So then it kind of uh, kind of like works full circle that way. For, for the rest of you guys, quick note, don't forget that regardless where you're listening to this podcast, whether it's on your iPhone, Stitcher, Spotify, hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time we drop a new episode. One last question for you in your you know businesses now uh, in your consulting, you know, even with your, your software, does Helium 10 play a role at all in it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things is, is that uh, so we have different case studies that we're working on. There's different software users and 
this is where it's on the, there's two parts. One is kind of like the beginning, like product research and everything related to stuff about Amazon that kind of like my marketing mind, like doesn't even want to go after, you know, dealing with inventory and then product research. But, but the marketing angle is where when, when you're complementing any type of research with marketing, which marketing is going to be more effective? You have to know about the product quality, which is based on the behavior and interest. So it's complementing all of the research tools and making the marketing more effective. So that's one of the things that we're, we're seeing right now in the case study that, we're, we're, that we've, we've built and that we're building is that knowing the Amazon audience and that's through different Amazon research tools. And we're like exactly using Helium 10 for that. So that's uh, very complimentary cool. there. Awesome. All right. Well, I thank you for your time here. I'm sure there's people who might have more questions or they might want to find out more about your software. So how can people find you and how can people find Zontracker? Yeah, the best is a Facebook group has Zontracker in the name. Um, you can also add me on Facebook or LinkedIn, not on LinkedIn much, but <laughs> still on there. Uh, so it's basically through Facebook group. And then you can go to Zontracker.io. All right. Well, Yev, thank you very much for joining us. And definitely you're not the kind of PhD who's going to help me the next time I have my cold or something where I need some medical advice. But now I know who to go to for like some really next level analytical stuff. And next time you're back down here in Orange County, please uh, stop by at our office and, and say hello. Yeah, I definitely will. Thanks for having me, Bradley. It was fun. All right. We'll see you later.